Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, you may have heard uh, as, as you came in today, today is the first day of the High Holy Jewish New Year. Rosh Hashanah begins today in about uh, a week you will have Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Today, though, for the Jewish holiday uh, is their New Year. It's called the uh, uh, Feast of Trumpets, and the trumpets that were played was the ram's horn. Uh, and they would blow them, signifying that the High Holy Days had begun. So if you hear Rosh Hashanah, that is the Jewish New Year, and that started today. So now you know that, and you can tell everybody at lunch tomorrow and be smarter than everybody when, when you do that. Hey, take out your Bibles, turn over to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We're talking about daring faith. Daring faith. Uh, I was reading a story in the paper this week. There was a couple, Elizabeth and Ryan, they had just gotten married, and they were taking pictures in Central Park uh, right before they went to the reception. And uh, as they were taking pictures, you know, you're just in a big public park. Suddenly a jogger, not realizing they were there, ran right into the middle of the pictures. Stopped everything. The jogger, of course, was immediately embarrassed. He apologized to everybody. The jogger, though, was Tom Hanks. So they weren't real upset that he had interrupted their picture taking. They took a few selfies with them. Then the actual photographer took several pictures with Tom Hanks and with the couple. And then he went back on his way and began his jog through Central Park. Now, how lucky could you have been to be having your wedding pictures taken and suddenly Tom Hanks appears uh, out of nowhere? You know, right place, right time, very fortunate. What a neat encounter uh, that they had at that particular time. But what if I told you this morning that the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, wants to have a relationship with you? And more than wanting to have a relationship with you, is doing everything he can to interrupt you and to try to get your attention so that you can know that that relationship is being offered. We're over in John chapter 13 this morning, and as John 13 starts, it's the very end of Jesus' life. It's the night before he's crucified, and he's gathered with his disciples in an upper room, and our scripture begins in verse 1, and the first thing we see is this. Jesus wants to have a close, loving relationship with us, but we often draw back from that. He wants and offers a loving relationship to us, but we often draw back from it. Look at verse 1 of chapter 13. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. So we're told that as that evening started, that Jesus knew everything that was going to come to pass. He knew that he was going to be betrayed that night. He knew that he was going to be unjustly condemned, that he was going to be crucified and would rise from the grave. He knew all of that. He also knew who his betrayer was going to be that evening. And we're told that Jesus, having loved his own, loved them to the very end and showed the full extent of his love. Now, how did Jesus show just how much he really loved his disciples? Look down to verse 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with towel that was wrapped around him. So what does Jesus do to show the disciples how much he loves them? We're told he gets up from the table and basically strips down into the clothes that an average servant would have been wearing at that day and age. Now, if you were a very wealthy person and you had a servant, one of the things they often did, especially at dinner parties, was that when people came in, they would wash their feet. And the reason for that was you wore sandals. It was very dirty and dusty outside. If you've ever been to that part of the world, not a lot of grass, a lot, you know, uh, and so your feet got very dirty. And so one of the things a host would do when you came in was to have his servant wash your feet. So what Jesus was doing here was the act of a lowly servant getting down upon his hands and knees and washing the feet of his disciples. Now, how did that show the full extent of his love? What was saying several things to his disciples. It was saying, I love you so much that even though I'm your rabbi, that even though I'm your master, I am lowering myself to show that I love you. I am humbling myself to wash your feet, letting you know there's nothing I wouldn't do for you, that I'm offering you unbelievable love. You know, uh, everybody knows the word deacon, and deacon means servant, but the literal meaning of the word deacon is dirty feet people. That's the literal translation of deacon. People who wash the feet of others, basically, is what it was. And that's what Jesus was doing here. So in this act, Jesus was offering love. He was offering a relationship. He was offering intimacy. He was telling his disciples, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. But here's the problem. Whenever anyone offers us intimacy, often we draw back from it. We don't want people to know us. We don't want to reveal ourselves to them. It's very scary. And that's exactly what happens in our scripture passage. As Jesus is doing one of the most personal, intimate things he could do, he is washing the disciples' feet. It makes some of the disciples very uncomfortable. Look down, if you will, to verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Now, from Peter's viewpoint, this is what was going on. Jesus is my rabbi. He's my master. I should be washing his feet. The disciple takes care of the rabbi. The rabbi doesn't take care of his disciples. This isn't right. It's not fitting. It's not seemly. There's no way I'm going to wash Jesus' feet. What Jesus washed my feet. So that's Peter's way of thinking. So Jesus is offering relationship, intimacy, love, and Peter is pulling back and saying, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to serve you. I'm supposed to wash your feet. Now, we do the exact same thing today when it comes to God. God still today offers us relationship, love, intimacy, and he tells us this is what your faith is all about. But just like Peter, the vast majority of Christians, and listen to me, the vast majority of Christians pull back And instead of accepting the offer of relationship, we try to do something else with it, just like Peter. You're the master, I'm the servant. So we do things like this. Instead of relationship, I'm going to make my faith about right and wrong. I'm going to make my faith about my behavior. And so if I do good, you'll be pleased with me. If I don't do good, you won't be pleased with me. And so our faith becomes about doing good and bad and right and wrong instead of relationship with God. 
or we make our faith about what we believe. I'm going to believe all these right things about God. And that's going to put me in a good relationship with God because I believe all the right stuff. And so we lower relationship to behavior and belief when God is offering us something much deeper and something much more personal. But it scares us just like it did Peter. And so we step back from it. You know, there was an interesting video I saw this week. There was an area of land in California, the Mojave Desert, that they were going to do some construction on. And there were some wild burrows in the area. And they knew that they would lose their habitat. So they got them together and they took them to a horse sanctuary. Now, these burrows have never seen grass their entire life. They've lived in the Mojave Desert their whole life, never seen grass. And they take them to this beautiful horse sanctuary with all of this grass, a perfect environment, unbelievable, finally getting everything these wild burrows could have ever wanted. And I want you to see their reaction the first time they see grass and they're given this great opportunity. What's their reaction? They're confused and they're a little scared. What is this stuff? Why is it all around me? Why does it look different? Why does it feel different? And instead of being overjoyed and running out into a field of grass, these burrows who've never seen it in their life step back towards the the horse cart and they're, they're confused and they're a little afraid. And that's how a lot of people are when it comes to a relationship with God. It's much easier to say, look, I'm going to follow a few rules. And if I keep them, I'm a good person. If I don't, I'm a bad person. It's much easier to say, I'm going to believe a few things about God. If I believe all the right stuff, I go to heaven and I don't. It's scarier to think God is offering you a relationship. That he loves you. That he wants you to know him and be known by him. To love him and be loved by him. And so often we do exactly what those burrows did. When we think about the relationship, we pull back from it because we don't know what to do. It scares us. And that's exactly what is happening in our scripture passage. And that brings us to the next thing that we see. The heart of our faith, though, is being in a personal, loving relationship with God. So Peter tells Jesus, he says, you're never going to wash my feet. And look at what Jesus says to Peter in verse 8. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Now, why would Jesus say something like that? Isn't that kind of being mean? Here's Peter. He's left his home and family. He's sacrificing for Jesus. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Now, what was so special that without accepting the washing of feet, Peter could have no part? It's really very simple. What Jesus is saying is, I'm offering you relationship. And if you draw back from that relationship and don't accept it, then you miss the whole point of what your faith is about in the first place. You can believe all the right things. You can live and be the best person in the world. But that's not what God is asking from you. He's asking relationship. And if you have the relationship, the other things fall into place. 
If you have the relationship, then you're going to want to live the right way and do the right things, not because you're being forced to to get God's approval, but because you love God and you want God to know that and you're living it out in your everyday life. And so he's telling Peter, look, if you don't accept this, then you can have no no part in me because this is what your faith is all about. And then Jesus does something very dramatic that we often miss in our scripture passage, and it shows us truly the full extent of his love. And that is Jesus washes Judas Iscariot's feet. Judas would be the person that would betray Jesus. One of his innermost disciples, the guy who kept the money bag, and Jesus knew that he was going to betray him. Look down uh, in our scripture, and we're told uh, very clearly in verse 11, for he knew who was going to betray him, And that is why he said, not every one of you is clean. So Jesus knows Judas is going to betray him. And even though Judas was going to betray him, Jesus gets down on his hands and knees, takes off Judas's sandals and washes his dirty feet. What's he saying to Judas when he does that? When he knows he's going to betray him, what he's saying is, I still love you. I still forgive you. I still offer you the same relationship I'm offering everybody else. If you're here today and you're ever thinking, you know, God can never love me for some of the things I've done. God can never accept me after some of the ways that I've lived. You need to understand that the person that would betray him to death had his feet washed by Jesus in an act of saying, I love and forgive you. Jesus does love you. He does forgive you. He does offer you relationship. The tragedy of our scripture passage is that Judas didn't accept this love. He just couldn't get it through his mind. For him, it was all about behavior. And when Jesus was was taken and, and, and put to death, Judas couldn't handle the fact that he had caused that and he committed suicide. How sad because the truth of our scripture is that Judas could and would have been forgiven. Jesus was offering him relationship and grace if he would have just accepted it. But it all went back to behavior with him. And he couldn't justify his behavior with what he had done. And therefore, he killed himself. You need to understand that your behavior is never going to put you in a right relationship with God. If it could, then Jesus didn't need to die on the cross. If it could, then Jesus didn't need to take your sins upon him so you would be forgiven. It's not about behavior. It's about relationship. And if anything shows us relationship and intimacy and love, it's the cross of Christ where Jesus died for your sins, taking them upon him. What an unbelievable act of love and grace when Jesus himself washed the feet of Peter. So why don't we accept it then? Why don't we run towards the relationship that God offers? I think there's a couple of different reasons. One, we like to be in control. If it's about behavior, if it's about good and bad, then we're in control. It's what I'm doing. It's not dependent upon God anymore. It's dependent upon me. And we like things to be dependent upon us because it's scary not to be in control. Why do people get so afraid when they fly on airplanes, when airplanes are a whole lot more safe than than being in in an automobile? Uh, they, They don't like it because they're not in control in an airplane. You know, if they run into a wall in a car, it's their fault. But in an airplane, they have no control. And so we don't like not being in control. And therefore, we pull back. But there's a lot of things that happen when we pull back. When we pull back, our faith becomes about things. It becomes about behavior. It becomes about beliefs. 
And pretty sure, and pretty soon we become very hypocritical. We become very judgmental. We begin to look down on other people who don't do it or believe the same way that we do. And we also become Christians who feel like there's just something missing. I wonder how many people sitting in our pews every Sunday morning are being offered relationship and instead they choose behavior and then they feel there's just something missing in my life. And there is because your faith is not about your good or bad behavior. It is about entering into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what he's offering here in our scripture passage. You know, I was reading a story in the paper this week. It was really interesting. It's about a man by the name of Mark Ross. And uh, Mark uh, is an African-American. He didn't have a lot of use for the police. uh, And he got a call in the middle of the night that his sister had been killed in a car wreck in Detroit. Uh, He didn't have a driver's license, didn't have a car, called a friend of his. And his friend said, well, I don't have any license or tags on my car, but I'll take you to, to Detroit. So they took off. Middle of the night. Well, they get pulled over. Neither one of them has a license. There's no tags on the car. The car is impounded. Uh, They're both getting ready to be taken to jail. And Mark said he finally broke down and started crying uncontrollably. And the police officer said, what is wrong with you? And Mark said, my sister just died and I'm just trying to get home to be with my mom. And the police officer had a prayer with him for him and his family there And then he said, you know, I can't give you your car back. It's been impounded. But what I can do is I can drive you a couple hundred miles to Detroit and make sure you get there. And so he turned his blue light on in his cruiser. He drove him to Detroit. And when they got to Detroit, Mark said something really interesting. I got a picture of them right there. And I want to, I don't know if you can read all that that's on there. But what he says is it changed his whole view about a lot of things in life. And Mark Ross invited this police officer to his sister's funeral. And at the funeral, the mother walked up to the police officer and said, you're now part of our family. You see, that's about relationship. We we can have a lot of things that pull us apart, but relationship is what brings us together. And what we see in our scripture is that Jesus, he's not offering you a, a set of rules to live by. And he's not offering you a a set of good beliefs. He's offering you a personal relationship. And if you choose anything else, your faith is always going to be less and always be worse. And that brings us to the next thing that we see in the last thing is our scripture passage. This relationship with God should lead us to have a loving relationship with other people. Because we love God, it should cause us to love other people. Look down at verse 12. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's as well. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. So what does Jesus tell them? You've seen my example, now follow my example. But my example is you need to be washing other people's feet, not washing my feet. It's about now washing others. So being in a relationship with God leads us to love and care for other people. Jesus in Matthew 22 is asked, what's the most important thing in the Bible? He said, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those two things hang all the law and the prophets. It's all about love. It's all about relationship with God and relationship with others. At the end of our scripture, look at what Jesus says down in verse 34. 
down in verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples when you love one another. Now think about that for a second. Think about all the ways that we try to get people to know we're Christians. How will somebody know you're a Christian? Because you have a big fish sticker on your car? Is that how they're going to know you're a Christian? Do they know you're a Christian because uh, you have a bumper sticker that says, turn or burn? Is that how they're going to know you're a Christian? Are they going to know you're a Christian because you wear a big cross necklace that anybody can see? Or you walk around holding a pulpit Bible uh, under your arm or something like that? How are people going to know you're a Christian? Are they going to know you're a Christian because you come to church? Are they going to know you're a Christian because you wear a nice little purple shirt and tie on Sunday morning? You know, how are people going to know you're a Christian? Jesus said, the one thing that should distinguish my followers from the rest of the world is that they love one another. And so when we love God, we're going to love his children. The simple fact of the matter is God created every person in this room. God loves every person in this room. Jesus died for every person in this room. And if you truly love God, you're going to love the people God loves which is everyone on this planet, which he has loved and created himself. So loving God leads us to love and care for other people. Jason Brown was a star in the National Football League. He had just signed a multi-million dollar contract when he walked away from it all. And I want you to watch a short video that was on CBS News about why Jason Brown walked away from football what he's doing, and while you're watching this, think of this question. If you love God, how does that lead you to love others, and what's it look like? Watch this video here of Jason Brown. Finally tonight, once you've made it to the big time, why would you ever want to go back down to the farm? Steve Hartman found the answer on the road. (laughs) At one point, number 60, Jason Brown was one of the best centers in the NFL. At one point, he had a five-year, $37 million contract with the St. Louis Rams. And at one point, he decided it was all meaningless and just walked away from football. My agent, you know, he told me, he said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. And I looked right back at him. I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. So what could possibly trump the NFL? You wouldn't believe. Jason Brown quit football to be a plain old farmer. Even though he'd never farmed a day in his life. How did you learn even to do what you're doing? Get on the internet. You watch YouTube videos. So you learned how to farm from YouTube? Yeah. You can still plant your crop. Thanks to YouTube and some good advice from other farmers here in Lewisburg, North Carolina. This week, Jason finished harvesting his first five-acre plot of sweet potatoes. When you see them pop up out of the ground, man, it's the most beautiful thing that you could ever see. He says he has never felt more successful. Not in man's standards, but in God's eyes. But God cares about the NFL. I see people praying to him on the field all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people praying out there. But um, when when I think about a life of of greatness, I think about a life of, of service. Which leads us here. Which leads us here. Yes. See, his plan for this farm, which he calls First Fruits Farm, is to donate the first fruits of every harvest to food pantries. Today, it's all five acres, 
100,000 pounds of sweet potatoes. It's unusual for a grower to grow a crop just to give away. Rebecca Page organizes food collection for the needy. And that's what Jason has done. And he's planning to do more next year. Jason has a thousand acres here, which could go a long way toward eliminating hunger in this neck of North Carolina. Love is the most wonderful currency that you can give anyone. You sure you played in the NFL? <laughs> Yes. Because I feel like cuddling you right now. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Jason may have left the NFL, but apparently holding is still a penalty. Steve Hartman on the road in Lewisburg, North Carolina. There's a Hall of Famer. And that's the CBS Evening News for tonight. For all of us at CBS News. All so on the CBS Evening News, probably not the most religious group in the world. They end by saying there's a Hall of Famer. Why? Because people intrinsically know when you love and care for other people, that's what this world's all about. Why was Jason Brown walking away from the NFL and millions of dollars? If you, if you learn more about the interview, what he would say is this, look, I've got enough money to live on the rest of my life. I want to do something that makes a difference now. I want to help people. And so he's using the money made in the NFL to eliminate poverty in an entire area of North Carolina. If you love God, you begin to love other people. In just a second, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And as we do, it's being offered to everyone here. I don't care what denomination you're from or, or where you've come from. If you believe in God, you're our brother and sister. You're going to spend eternity with us in heaven. And we offer you this meal that more than anything else talks about relationship. Our deacons are going to come forward and as they do, they're going to pass both elements if you'll simply hold them, and then we'll take them together. Let's have a prayer if we could. Father, thank you that you offer us this unbelievable gift of relationship. Lord, help us to realize that when we love you, it's going to lead us to love others. In Jesus' name, amen.
life is all about relationships. Think about if you put someone in solitary confinement, it's one of the worst things that you can do to the person because you're pulling them away from other people. We were made to be in relationship with others and with God. Jesus took one loaf, one cup, and he shared it with his disciples. This room you're sitting in today is filled with a lot of different people, different ages, different genders, different political philosophies, different races. And we're all here in this one room for one reason. We are brothers and sisters created in the image of God, and God calls us to love one another. This is the body of Christ which was broken for you. You know, so many times... We don't feel deserving the relationship. We mess up. We do things and we shake our head and we say, God's got to be really angry with me. He can't be very pleased with me right now. He could never accept me the way that I am. Some of the things I've done, some of the things I believed and said. And yet if you read the other Gospels, you find not only did Jesus wash Judas' feet, Jesus also gave the Last Supper to Judas. He gave him the body and the cup. He offered him grace and forgiveness. You see, what God wants from you is relationship. The cross is the most intimate, personal thing that God could have done. Think about it for just a second. Jesus suffered and died for you. And we reduce it to a few things that we believe about him. And a way that we're going to live with some good behavior. And he says, what I want is you... Not those things. This is the blood of Christ which was shed for you. So we come to this time of invitation where you're being invited to what God says to you. And the first thing I want you to do during this invitation is is not walk down the aisle, but for a lot of you just to say, Lord, help me to seek you and not things. That it's not about my behavior, it's not about my beliefs. Those things are important, but they're not the number one thing. Help me to seek to know and be known by you. I dare you to do that. Have the courage to enter into a relationship with God and really find out what it is all about. Christianity is not a way that that you, you think. It's not a few things that you do. 
It's a relationship with God. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.